Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. The HIV epidemic is not over. HIV is still here. The face of HIV is so diverse. The biggest thing to reduce HIV stigma is just to talk about it testing and PrEP and HIV treatment and how effective it is today. Undetectable equals untransmittable. Whether you're positive or negative, there's not a wrong door. Whether it's testing or whether it's treatment, do it for you, Montgomery County. Learn more about HIV testing, treatment, and prevention at doitforyoumc.org. Scott Hansen here from NFL Red Zone. I hope you're checking out one hour of Five Yard Rush, one of the best podcasts on NFL football in the UK. Yo, what's happening, Rush Nation? It is Murph here. It is a Monday night. If you're watching this on the live stream, you'll notice that Stocks isn't here. Um, Stocks is going to put a statement I guess not a statement. He's going to fumble through this bit. Um, he's going to put a message later on on one of the pods in the week. He's just going to take a, a little leave of absence uh, for a few weeks. Everything is is all good. Um, he's just going to take a little bit of time uh, to spend some time with the family, much needed rest. And, uh, you know, the one thing with this show, we've been going every single week for a little over three years, really, since Stocks and I have, have come together. Stocks was doing this before before me, but... Every week for three years, no no breaks, no week off. Um, most of the time, multiple shows a week. Um, and there's the editing in the background, the articles, uh, and everything else. And so, Stocks is going to take a well-earned break for a few weeks uh, before the season kicks on. And and um, you know, he's going to take the time he needs to spend with his family and catch up on some memories. So, over the next few weeks, um, I'm going to bring some guests on. Uh, next week is a very very special uh, episode. It's going to be episode 400 when I do this live and I promise you I've got a blockbuster guest uh, and I'm really excited to it I've also got a blockbuster guest today and I've kept him waiting I'm going to keep waiting another week a uh, minute or so so apologies uh, for that if you're on the screen you, you'll see him but 
Um, just want to talk a, a couple of things. First of all, I made a boo boo this afternoon and sent uh, almost everybody in our universe uh, an email about the FFCC, and I've given some people a uh, hope up that they'd entered. Now, most of the people that actually tried to enter actually hadn't entered this year's. They entered last year's, didn't enter this year's competition. Um, I sent an email out in error. I then sent a follow-up email in error, or not in error, to explain that it's an error. So if you received an FFCC invite from me in the last 24 hours, it's not an invite. I'm really sorry. I meant to send it to one person who had already accepted. He just hadn't got the email, and I did exclude instead of include. So ignore the email. It's literally about 80 people today I've had to message and say, I'm really sorry you're not in. Um, so apologies for that. The FFCC has... It's a 256-person tournament. Our guest is in it. Producer Lee's in it. Most of our staff are in it. A lot of uh, fantasy guys from all over the world are in it. 255 spots are claimed. Claimed they're in. They're in the draft rooms. They're ready to go. There is one, literally one spot left. I'm going to tell you now how you win it. To win this spot, you, you know, and I'll put the tweet up. I'm going to do it tomorrow. Give you in the live stream a head, a head start on this. Donate five pounds to our Just Giving page. It should be the pinned tweet. Donate five pounds. Uh, that's about eight bucks if you're listening to this in the States or whatever the equivalent is um, in your currencies worldwide. So not a lot of money, but, you know, just something. Uh, in that donation, please don't use gift aid if you're in the UK because it is an opportunity to win something. The charity might not get the money. So please don't use gift aid. Um, but in there, put your handle, Twitter handle or email address if you don't have Twitter. And just uh, put in there FFCC comp. Now, um, what's going to happen is I'm going to draw a winner right on. I'm going to announce the winner on next Monday's show. Um, so you've got a week to do this. Anyone that enters and doesn't get into the last spot will be in the automatic waiting list. And every year, probably three or four people time out in the first round. So if you if people time out in the first round, they get eliminated. They get booted out and they get replaced by somebody else. So just because you might not get picked next Monday on the show, you will automatically enter the wait list. And then I will just draw people from that wait list to fill the gaps. So I'm not guaranteeing a spot to anyone more than one person, but the chances are there might be a couple of spots. So that's it. Last couple of things is uh, a consistency guide giveaway with Bob Lung, who was on last week. That ends midday tomorrow. I'll announce the winner, end the play tomorrow. And then the Warrior Bowl spots will shut off midday Thursday. So follow the tweets, listen to last week's episode, find out how you enter. But I've kept our guest waiting long enough and apologies to this, but um Sometimes, you know, like a fine French wine, you have to let it breathe and wait and then enjoy it. So I have done that. And the reason I've said French wine is because uh, the gentleman I have with me is a Frenchman. So, yes, dwelling in the Euros defeat, I'm sure he's probably enjoying <laughs> it a little bit. And I'm a glutton for punishment, so why not? Um, but he is the co-host of the Fantasy Ballers podcast. He's based in France. Mark, Mark, welcome to Five Yard Rush. How are you doing, my friend? Oh, thank you. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure. Um, and uh, yeah, for me, for me, the Euros finished two weeks ago, so I'm not I'm not really sure what happened. Uh, <laughs> but I hear uh, I hear it was a bit of a heartbreak. So uh, I'm very sorry for that. Well, but uh, it I was think... great to get to the final in a way. <laughs> exactly. What we are experiencing is exactly what you experienced five years ago, um, because five years ago you were in 
in Paris, your team, the Paris, you know, you're playing at home, you lost to Portugal, unfortunately. Um, and then you went and won the World Cup. So uh, the way I see it is England are going to win the World Cup next year. It's done and dusted. We don't it's, even need to play exactly. the tournament. You might as well just give us a tournament book it. now. You book, book it now, right now. It's done. So yeah. it's fine. Whatever the odds are, just book it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we uh, we did, uh, you know, we unfortunately, it's a shame we didn't take it home. But, you know, I'd be incredibly proud of the players and the effort. And um, yeah, as you said, I think what, you know, I'm going to dwell on the Euros too long bit here, but I think what made it great for me was, you know, and you've experienced this in France, you've won Euros, you've won World Cups, but it all started with those youth teams that came through and they won the Youth Cups, the Youth World Cup, the Youth European Championships. And this group of players, nine of them have actually won a tournament with England. And I think you can start to see something is building. So it, it was nice for us. I was very surprised that Switzerland did uh, eliminate France. I think you were probably more shocked than, than I was. <laughs> but um, it would have been a great, it would have been a better final, France, England. But oh well, we are. More stressful we are. for me. <laughs> <laughs> but you, you actually live in London, don't you? I do. Yeah, yeah. I lived in London. Uh, I've lived there for, what is it, nine, eight, eight, nine years now. So it's been a while. But um yeah, uh, we, we, we host a fantasy football show for uh, French speakers in France uh, with a couple of friends that I met in, when I was back in Paris. Um, and we've been doing that for about for five years now, actually, exactly five years. So it's, uh, it's been great, great fun. And being in London is good for, to see the games as well once a year. Um, so it's, it's a great opportunity to get together, to meet some fans from France as well. So it's, it's great. It's good fun. So how did you how did you get into into NFL being being French and and then living in England? You know how how did you end up getting into NFL and then starting your your podcast and and doing this with a few friends? So um, I've always been quite big in the American sports because my my mom is American. Um, so I used to have you know as a kid I would get like I have some family in New York so I got some uh, Giants uh, <laughs> gear and Knicks gear and things like that. So I kind of you know, um, as I grew up, started watching a bit of basketball and uh, basketball. Um, I can't remember exactly how I got into fantasy basketball, but um, I started playing fantasy basketball with some friends because uh, basketball is quite big in France. Uh, there's a massive following. And um, so, you know, at work and with other people that I used to play with, like we started this fantasy basketball league, uh, which was really good fun. And some one day somebody said we should do the same for NFL. and I knew of the NFL and had watched a few games, but I, I had no idea how to play. And the first year, actually, funnily, so I get into this uh, fancy football league uh, and I get the number one pick in the draft and I have no idea what I'm doing. And I see Peyton Manning and I'm like, yeah, Peyton Manning, number one pick overall. And everyone laughed at me and I was like, why? He's the guy with the most points. Like, <laughs> you know, why, why shouldn't that? And so obviously the whole thing about value value-based positions etc came in and i was like oh shit I, I screwed this up and actually funnily uh it was the best pick i could do because all the running backs that year got injured you know halfway through the year peyton manning had a great year and i went to the finals and uh realized how much fun fantasy football is and we really got into it from from then on like that was probably you know seven seven eight years ago um and uh in terms of uh timing it's a bit easier than basketball because um basketball is every night uh it's late it's like midnight uh you know every day you have to you know look at the news at the last minute be able to change your team like it's a bit exhausting and you know as 
your life goes on. You don't have that much time. So football was great for that as well. It's a great way to watch the game. I think it's a hilarious way to watch the red zone on Sunday nights. Um, it's a great way to improve your knowledge into the game and watch, you know, everything with a different angle, having interest in some random games that you wouldn't necessarily want to watch otherwise, uh, yeah. at least at the beginning. I, and, I think uh, it's amazing. I think it's amazing. I think, um, as you say, it's great. I So I used to watch a lot of NBA. So I lived in Orlando for, for six years. Um, I saw the magic. I was there when Tracy McGrady was uh the peak of his powers i actually went to school with tracy McBra- uh, tracy mcgrady's little brother chance who wasn't wow. bad at basketball he wasn't quite as good <laughs> um but also our right one of our rival schools um was cypress creek and they had a uh, a, a guy there called amari stoudemire who ended up getting drafted oh. straight out of high school for the phoenix suns yeah. um so i saw him play high school but i mean he was incredible i mean he, the guy was like huge i mean he i think he came out the same year as lebron james um, I, I think so. Talk. Yeah. 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 Uh, I'm showing my age here a little bit. If you can kind of work as my age. So I'm, I'm the same age as Amari Stoudemire. So uh, I think, or within a year, we're, we're pretty close in age. Um, but I got to admit, I fell out of basketball turn of just around the turn of the decade, 2010, because of the whole referee scandal. Um, mm-hmm. So for those of you that don't know, there were referees in the NBA who were betting on outcomes of games that they were officiating in. And I just thought, I can't watch a sport that has that level of corruption because I'm sorry, there's no way that nobody but the refs didn't know. Exactly. Uh, Like it, it, for me, that was so deep rooted and listen, every sport has its controversies. The NFL has plenty of them. But with the NFL controversies, when they're mostly player-related or they're mostly single-team related, there isn't this widespread corruption in where there's many teams and many people complicit, league offices, etc. You know, it might be you've got individuals doing some pretty bad things. We had something – I'm not even going to use uh, the player's name, but a linebacker from – well, he's the next linebacker of the Atlanta Falcons getting into trouble this week for some pretty horrific uh, allegations. And um, I think at the end of the day, I just can't get into a sport where I, I think the league office knew. I think they knew. I think more teams knew about it. I just can't. So I've, I fell out of basketball because of that. But a few of our yeah. guys who write for us uh, are into it. I know a lot of people are. And on this day, I've been to a lot of NBA games probably – 40, 50 games. Yeah. It's an exciting game to watch, especially live. Live, it's phenomenal. Great atmosphere. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's great. <laughs> yeah, I can understand why you don't do that. Now, the reason we're here together, and we met very recently, not, not that long ago, because of a mutual friend, Justin Boone. Um, and Boone put us together uh, in a dynasty league, an international dynasty league. So um, you want to tell us uh, a little bit about how we've come to meet and this, this league in particular? Yeah, absolutely. So I think um, Justin put out a tweet a few weeks ago saying, you know, what's the, what's the status of uh, international fantasy uh, analysts and podcasts and everything? And, uh, and we were mentioned there. So uh, Justin uh, sent, uh, uh, reached out to us and, and I reached out to him saying, you know, thanks, thanks for the follow and the inspiration. And, uh, you know, it's, actually, Justin is uh, uh, rightly so very popular in France among some of our best players. Um, 
who who religiously follow his advice uh, to the point that I told him, you know, I can almost exploit in, tr in trade sometimes if I ever disagree with anything he says. <laughs> can be like, oh yeah, you should get this player that Justin loves. I'm, I'm giving him away, you know. <laughs> um, and yeah, and he was saying um, we should have an international dynasty league, like a World Cup of, uh, of uh, fantasy football. And in the end, um, we got, I think he put together six international, uh, six, uh, international analysts and six American analysts. Some of the guys that, um, you know, I always listen to, um, Ian Hart, 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 <laughs> Ian Hart and uh, Danny Kelly and uh, Justin and a few other guys. Um, and it's great to see, you know, first of all, it's a, it's first a kind of professional analyst league I'm in. Um, and to be drafting with you guys, it's been, it's been a great experience to see kind of, you know, how, how you're looking, how you're approaching your teams, especially in dynasty with all the different strategies possible. Um, how everyone's approaching and constructing their roster. It's uh, hopefully going to be great fun and a great learning experience as well that we can then um, bring back to our listeners in, in France um, <laughs> on our, on our podcast. I feel a bit like the underdog in that league. I have to say, because uh, uh, everyone has, uh, you know, thousands of followers on Twitter and, <laughs> and on their podcast, we're sitting here at 400 for the moment, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's really good. And uh, it's going to be, it's going to be so much fun. I don't think there's an underdog in that league. I think uh, everyone's drafted pretty well. I'd, um, I'm sitting at the one spot. I'm finding it very difficult to pick. Uh, I've got Ray Garvin either side of me with Tomas Lafayre. And picking in a Ray Garvin sandwich is, it's not a lot of fun sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to, and then I've got Boone just after him. Um, yeah. So, you know, it, that's an ugly turn. And, you know, down the other end, you've got uh Danny Kelly is assembling the all Canton team of 2024. Uh yeah. Ian Hartis, as you mentioned. Um you got Victoria of um football uh, of you know ball blaster men football guys. and football guys. Uh you've got uh Terra's in there. Um you know you've got some really really great folks in there. Uh Rui's in there who I drafted with Rui. Um I think I drafted with him in SFB nine or I've played in leagues with Rui for a few years. So I always love being in a, uh, in a league with him. Um, and we've also got uh, Mauricio of, of Mexico again. Actually, I think it was Mauricio was in my SFB league uh, in SFB nine. So um, some great people in there. I mean, I'm lucky I've got to play with a few of them before, but then yeah, Danny Kelly yourself. And we just have some fun on there uh, in that chat. So uh, it, it's good. It's been great to get to know you, and uh, you know, I'm glad you've you've come and bailed me out of a hole this week and, and come join me. <laughs> but let's no. let's pick that brain of yours. Let's pick that French brain of yours because you know you, you're being modest there. You're talking about your follow count, but you know you're a smart guy. You 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 know you you line your teams up well. I've seen how you've assembled your roster. You clearly um, have a way in which you like to construct teams, and that's kind of why I. Uh, I've got this section coming on about how we're going to construct rosters because I think how you've constructed your dynasty roster is extremely interesting. Um, but I want to talk first about the up and coming season. You know, we're only uh, 50 odd days away now from the season. Uh, we're looking forward. Preseason's getting ready to start, even though it's shorter mm -hmm. this year. Cam's about to return. How many leagues are you planning to play in for the 2021 season? Um, I think this year probably going on six six or seven serious leagues well serious like some some always i think emotionally you always get attached to a couple of leagues more than others 
uh, depending on how the players do, how the league mates are, etc. But yeah, I think six, six or seven serious ones. So we have, we have one that we do every year with uh, listeners uh, where we participate as well, the three of us. Um, and that's just a redraft league where, which we, we do and we, we have like one winner at the end, which we're going to announce soon. Um, there's one uh, dynasty that we do just uh, kind of historical with our friends. Um, there's now the International Dynasty League that I'll take very seriously. <laughs> uh, and then a couple others uh, with, uh, yeah, with friends. And there's also another French podcast uh, called uh, Fantasy Fanatics. Um, they organize a French challenge with the uh, French uh, American Football Federation. So that's quite cool as well. Uh, it's, it's good fun. To, so that's about, yeah, six. And then there's always a couple at the end that I add, um, you know, anybody's waiting and uh, just on the side. But yeah, probably six or seven. How, how about you? I, I always wonder how, how many you guys are playing in. Uh, <laughs> can, can I be Loads. honest? I, 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 don't, I, don't, I can't. <laughs> you don't even know anymore. I, I, no, I don't. I, I genuinely don't know how many leagues. Um <laughs> So what I what I did this year is I got rid of a couple of dynasty leagues that were quite dormant, quite defunct. They were set up last year. People kind of yeah. started to to bail on them um, during the during the season after the season. Uh, clearly, was set up in the lockdowns that we were having, and they weren't really going anywhere. So I was like, right, I'm gonna gonna ditch those and start to streamline the leagues. Um, I've set up a couple of new home style sort of leagues. Uh, with live draft functions, although it would be live draft over Zoom or something, just to give a bit of uh, different, where with really crazy uh, formats and things, and to talk about those in, in the up and coming weeks. We do multiple listener leagues. Um, my mission is to end NFL.com random leagues. Like that's the thing mm-hmm, that I've mm-hmm. always yeah. stood for. So I think last year we did uh, close to 20 leagues. Um, I don't think we're going to do this that many this year, but we have a team in all of them. Normally stocks and I co-own or, um, yeah. but you know, it's a lot of league management, but really my, my, my passion is the charity tournaments. So mm-hmm. Scott fish bowls going right now. Bless. Sorry. <laughs> no, that's all right. It's good to have your kid in the background. Um, but you've got, you know, Scottish Bowl's obviously a, a big one I take seriously. You've got the FF Down Under Bowl, which Lewis, who's also in our Dynasty League, fellow Englishman, although everyone thinks he's Australian because he lives in Australia. Um, but he is English. Um, but Lewis uh, runs a great tournament. I've always done historically really bad in there, so I'm going to set that right. <laughs> um, there's the Warrior Bowl, which our friend Greg organizes that's, that's up to 480 people this year i was the runner-up at 240 people last year uh i was leading on uh, monday night football at halftime oh no and uh stefan biggs uh took it away from me unfortunately Ouch. yeah that still hurts i've talked about this on that podcast a few times um <laughs> But there's yeah, there's quite a few ch- uh, charity leagues. Obviously, we do the FFCC, but that's best yeah, ball. I was going to say, yeah, that's yeah. best ball. So that's not so bad. Um, but yeah, I, you know, we do. I do a lot of a lot of tournaments. There's oh, the UKFL. It's another UK based uh, charity league. So there's a lot of charities. They're kind of I like the bigger tournaments because they're very different. Oh, Eurovision with um, with Peter Gent as well. So I I get to host a division in that one, which is crazy. Um, also with Peter Gent, I do a really fascinating contract IDP, uh, not contract, uh, auction IDP style league with Devi. It's called Shark Tank. Um, 
I've played a lot of fantasy football over 21 years. That is single-handedly the one league that absolutely blows my mind every time I, I go into it and look at it. Because it's like 90-person rosters. Wow. Four copies of each player. You're bidding. You bid in different phases. It's long auction as well. <laughs> so it's like an 11-hour clock. So when someone outbids you by a dollar, you've got to wait 11 hours. Oh, God. Uh, it takes yeah. forever. <laughs> so the initial startup draft is about two, two and a bit months. Um, wow. but it's fascinating it's so and it's idp it's everything um i also play in uh, an idp league keeper league it's called the bffl there's five divisions in that um so i'm in the top tier of that i mean i play so many so many leagues it's, it's phenomenal I mean, I mean i think last year i played close to 60 um and a lot of those were, were roster management leagues uh in some form of capacity so i try and keep them in only a couple of platforms so I don't have to play. Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't have to play like loads. Yeah, so no ESPN, no Yahoo. Um, I have a couple of home leagues in NFL.com, which are playing, uh, but almost all of them exclusively Sleeper or MFL. So at least they're all kind of in, in one place, which isn't too bad. But yeah, yeah it's helpful. It, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of leagues, but do you know what? It's, it's a lot of fun because I would rather play in a league um, if it means that that league stays active and exactly. um, people don't have to go through that experience of um, playing in a random NFL.com league. So I'd rather they yeah, play. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that, that's, uh, that, that's our, our mission as well for, for France. We're trying to get, you know, it's, that's the hardest thing because the, I think fantasy football in France is a bit niche. Uh, there's quite a bit of uh, people uh, watch the NFL or play American football. Uh, but it's uh, until last year, it was never on the, on the TV, um, even pay, you know, even pay-per-view. So it was very difficult to watch. So it's only people who've played or have lived in the States or, have, you know, a, a reason to watch. And, and then out of that pool of people, you then have to have people who play fantasy. And it's very difficult to play fantasy if you don't know other players, because then you'll end up in a random NFL league, play for a couple of weeks and think, okay, well, this is a bit this is a bit boring after a while like you know when the bye week starts and some injuries and the guys aren't updating their rosters so that's what we're trying to do just get you know the word out um as many people as we can reach as possible to get them together build a community of players and uh, get them to play together on the uh, to have fun you know um standard leagues kind of to start off uh, not too complex but um yeah no it's 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 been it's been a good experience so far so i'm going to put a psa out there public service announcement uh, anyone who is anyone who's French speaking, so that's whether you're French speaking Canadian or you, you exactly. speak French, Swiss, French, up, Belgian, yeah, Swiss, French, Belgian. <laughs> and I know we've got a few. I know we've got a few that are listening. Right, Mark's going to share his Twitter handle. I've shared out a post um, on the live feed. Follow Mark. Follow the podcast, and he'll give all the details later on. Um, but just if you've got time and can do an extra league, just. Don't even do it for me. Do it for the people of France who, who just genuinely want to play in good leagues with good people. Um, if you've got a spare league to take on, hook up with Mark. Let's just get more people in France playing fantasy football. And Mark, you know, if, you, if you're maxing your capacity and you need and they speak English, they're always welcome in one of our leagues. We'll, we'll do an exchange, you know, foreign exchange student. Back exactly. To, back to school sort of thing. <laughs> I had a French foreign exchange student when I was in school. So I feel like I'm paying it, paying it forward a, a little bit. <laughs> um, so in terms of what is your actual favorite fantasy football format? If you could only play one for the rest of rest of all time, what, what would it be? Uh, well, I think, um, 
first of all, Dynasty gives such a <clears throat> such a different angle to you know your thought process, and um, it's also more it's it's fun to draft, but I think it's it's a bit sad when the season ends and you're thinking, okay, well, you know, I I, I almost build a, a relationship with this player in a way, you know, like I <laughs> watch his games on Sunday nights and uh, and then next year he might not be on my roster. Um, so I think you know Dynasty is great as a great format as long as you have, you have the league mates to kind of follow up with it. And then in terms of um, in terms of uh, scoring and all that, we usually end up on the, the half PPR because I think that's um, the best the best balance between uh, between you know running back heavy and and having too many points on at wide receiver. I think try to try to put a few more a few more positions in than the standard leagues just to build a bit more depth. Um, I've been trying for years to get rid of kickers, uh, but people seem to love them. <laughs> uh, I think this year is the year that I'll finally put my foot down and say, let's just get rid of them. Just, um, just, just in the year that Scott Fish has introduced him into the Scott. Fish yeah. Role. As a flex, as a flex, but, but <laughs> well, can you do yeah. that on sleeper though? I don't think you can, right? I, I couldn't, I, I don't think you can do a flex with kicker on sleeper. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not overly sure if you can. Because I thought uh, that was a great. I thought Scott Fish came up with a great idea there. Because you know, in terms of scoring, it, it's interesting to have a a kicker flex. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, and, and do you know what? My first exposure to this scoring format wasn't actually <laughs> Scott Fish. Um, is a friend of mine, uh, Andrew. Who so. Okay, so the thing you need to know about me, Mark, is I like weird leagues. I create create weird leagues, mental leagues. I mean, completely out of the box. I come up with them in my, like, literally, I wake up in the middle of the night, can't sleep, and I come up. So one of the leagues (laughs) I came up with was we're going to do a rules mania league. And basically how this works is it starts off as a PPR league. Yeah. And what happens is every person in this 14-team league can create one form of rule. Now, that rule could be a positional change, or it could be a scoring change, or it could be draft-related. So, for example, some of the rules that were in this Draft Mania League were you had to draft a kicker before you could draft a quarterback or something like that. Or or, um, you can't draft two positions, two of the same position in a row. Yeah, or you can only have two players from each division in the NFL, <laughs> and it got it got weird. So, and one of them was this scoring format with the kickers about how it's done on yards, yeah, yards uh, per kick. So, if it's a fifty-yard field goal, you get five points. Um, if you get uh, if it's thirty-seven yards, it's three point seven points, etc. So it, it builds up from there. <clears throat> Plus, you get the points for the made field goal, so it actually gets significantly bigger so it's an interesting format it's good I, I i do like it um but yeah i can i think we're kickers we had marcus grant on a few years ago and i i would hate to see kickers go but the scoring is just yeah i agree with you i think i depends on the it's 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 just very volatile and um i wish we could find a better way of scoring kickers and the thing is it's quite fresh for me at least i find it just frustrating to watch because the other the other position players i think you can spend, you know, a bit of analysis trying to understand volume and like, you know, game scripts and what's going to happen on Sunday. And then for kickers, it just feels so difficult. I mean, obviously there are a few, a few correlations that you can come up with, but it, it just feels so, so random. And especially with the, you know, the, the odd, like 
55 yarder uh, at the buzzer in the second half, you know, in the second quarter, I mean, when, you know, he's just trying it and he gets minus one, you weren't asking anything or, <laughs> or the other guy tries, tries to go on fourth down more and more and uh, they're never kicking anymore. So it's, it's, yeah. Uh, I agree. I've always said, don't, don't ever have minus one for 50 yard field goal upwards. Cause it's unlikely they're going to kick it as opposed to yeah. kick it. Um, but at the same token, if they miss from like 25 or 30 yards, you should heavily penalize it. Yeah. Minus three. Yeah. <laughs> Cause that, I, so, you know, typically in the leagues that I create, my scoring format is really simple. I don't care where you kick the field goal from, right? When you kick it through the post, it's three points in NFL. Why should it be? Because you kicked it from 50. It's worth five. Like what, why is it that in some, in, in standard official standard scoring format, kicking a field goal from 50 yards is worth more than a quarterback throwing a touchdown. That literally makes no sense to me. That makes no logic. Like whoever came up with that and went, Oh yeah, that's a good idea. No, it's not. That's a stupid idea. It's dumb. Hate it. So every field goal in the, in the, in the, (laughs) in my leagues is three points. I don't care. I'm not doing this five, five point field goal nonsense. Rubbish. And then yeah, the, the, the old uh, Justin Tucker rule where uh, you yeah. got like, you know, 25 points from your kicker. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's different where in the Scott Fishbowl where it is, it is done on the distance, but, and then you get the points for the made kick, but it's heavily penalized for the missed kicks. I don't mind that as much where it's uh, you get the points taken away from when you miss, but the, I've always done it. So yeah, the, the further in you are the more points. So you minus three, if you miss, it's minus three, if you miss an extra point and it's minus three, if you miss, from inside the 30 uh, minus two, if it's 30 to 39 minus one, if it's 40 to 49 and you don't get penalized if it's 50 plus, because you think, well, it's, it's a, it's a hit and hope. <laughs> yeah. I think that's fair enough. If someone comes out and tries 62 yards to try and tie the field game, why should you, I've lost a week when I think who I can't remember who it was. I think it might mean Matt Prater attempted a 61 yard field goal. And you're like, I know he's done it before, but he's not he's not a favorite to kick it from exactly. There. Yeah. Why should I have to lose a fantasy football matchup because the Lions stink <laughs> and have to kick it from 61 instead of from 40? <laughs> no, I agree, I agree. But uh, yeah, I, I I agree. It would be sad to see them go like just I I don't know what the best uh scoring format for the kicker could be, but it's a bit like the punter, you know, there's no punting in well, I'm sure you've played in leagues where there's a punter, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. But in, in the standard leagues, there's no punters. And it's because it's quite difficult to come up with a proper scoring format for them, you know, compared to the position skilled, uh, skilled players. And actually, even, um, even IDP, um, I find it awesome to play IDP to get to know the def- defensive side of the ball and, you know, watch the game in a different way as well. But I find that the scoring format is, is a bit unfair towards the you know defensive line and and the the defensive backs and it's all about you know tackling and everything it's or you make it into a big play thing and then over the course of a season it might work out but then game in game out you have wild swings of points um so i'm struggling to find a really good balance for idp as well we have um, one don't worry um, but I saw, yeah, your IDP, IDP plus. I, I, I actually yeah. wanted to, to steal it for one of our leagues to try it out this year. Steal it, steal it, try it out. We we did have something that was um, is one of the scoring we're still actually playing with because it's a bit too subjective, which is the uh, quarterback hit. Yeah. So I it entirely depends who is scoring the quarterback hit, but I don't like that as a metric. 
because it's subjective. Yeah. It's subjective what a quarterback hit is because a, a quarterback hit could not, you know, it might not impede the quarterback at all. You might literally get a glove on it and that's deemed a quarterback hit. Yeah. yeah. So it's a bit inconsistent. If you look at the different, depending where you get the stats from, it is different. So sure. um, we're playing with that, but the rest of it is, is fantastic. And, and Nate's done a, a really, really good job on it. So um, I can take no credit other than I've tried to, try to mess it with him so last question on the, i mean look 2020 was a strange year with covid and everything going on what do you think is likely to change in your strategy and your thinking for 2021 um knowing what kind of what you know now and what might occur with with covid restrictions and protocols or etc yeah i think i mean the, the toughest thing was the well there were two things i think the players being put on the ir for three games instead of the you know, the eight, I think eight it was before um, they, they, they get put on IR for three games and you never knew if their season was over or not. And, and you know, what happened. Um, so I think I definitely probably this year be a bit more wary on uh, on injuries and try to understand what the teams are trying to do. You know, saw Joe Mixon last year, like injured his foot and he thought he was coming back in the game. Then he went back out and then his season was over. And I was like, okay, well, I kept Joe Mixon the whole time, you know, thinking this guy is going to help me in the, the in the playoffs. And then I had, I actually, I think I got Gio Bernard in my main league, like um, Gio Bernard to help me out. And then I dropped him again because they were like, yeah, Joe Mixon's practicing. He's at the facility. And I was like, yeah, he's fine. He's, he's going to come back. You know, his three games are over. And then somebody else got Gio Bernard for the playoffs and that kind of thing. So I think um, in general, I mean, yeah, it, it's so most of, what we do, I think, is really trying to analyze, uh, you know, what's, what, what people are saying about injuries and player status and all that and try to go behind the lines and understand ex- really what it, what it is, you know, because so much of the game is about the game script and volume and, you know, are you actually going to play or not? Um, and in general, I think another thing is I, I try to stay away, especially in the early rounds. If there's a guy who's already a bit injured, yeah, he's, you don't know about it oh, he may need surgery in his foot or he's done this or this in preseason and he's already like questionable before you even draft him. I'm bumping those guys down a bit. I don't want, I don't want to deal with the headache. Um, it could provide some value if you're, you know, if you're lucky and, and you're brave enough to get them. But some of those guys that are, I don't even think it's injury prone. I just think it's, you know, you just never know when they're going to play or not um, compared to a player that, you know, suits up every Sunday and gets, gives you that consistency. At least in the early rounds, I tend to probably tr- try to play it a bit safer this year um, and then take some, take some more shots in the, in the later rounds. Um, but yeah, I think um, in terms of, uh, you know, strategy, um, I think it's, it's fairly similar to previous years uh, for uh, drafting running backs and wide receivers and all that. The most important is to know the scoring in your league and the roster uh, settings and all that. Um, uh, running backs probably are getting more and more. There's less and less each year. I feel less and less of that workhorse running back, even in teams that want to do it this year, there's going to be 18 games. So does that mean that, you know, some, some guys are being rested down the line? Um, does it mean that teams are qualified for the playoffs even earlier and maybe your week 17 gets, you know, we, we typically stopped week 16 for the finals uh, up to now. Maybe now it's going to switch to week 17. But does that mean that week 17 is now in danger of having guys rest already? Um, those might be things 
to consider, but I don't, I'm not quite sure. I think those could be factors at the end of the year, but I don't really know what to do about it yet. Um, if, uh, you know, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to overreact either. Um, but I think, yeah, in general, staying away from injured guys and uh, guys who might be resting down the stretch could be something that I might do. I'm completely with you with the running back situations. You know, I've, I've said this a few times. I'm really of the belief now. Now, I play, I've played fantasy football. This is my 21st year, basically. I had a couple of years where I kind of really wasn't uh, into it that much. But for the most part, I've played this for 21 years. When I started playing fantasy football, you basically had two or three great workhorse running backs, your Priest Holmes or Damien Tomlinson. I, and then everything else was, a, was an RBBC. And you basically just had different guys. Yeah. Teams would have four, four running backs that they would use a lot, basically. And they would just rotate them in, rotate them out. It was all about freshness. And it wasn't a position that the NFL yeah. really valued. And now we, we had this amazing peak a few years ago where – you had all these guys with David Johnson and with CMC and, um, you know, Adrian Peterson, I think was one of the first ones in, in that elk. And, um, you know, you've had this amazing spread of, of all these running backs. And now I think we're getting back, as you say, with more games now, 17 games, no doubt it's going to be 18 games. If it's not next year, it's going to be the, the year after I'm, I'm yeah. nailing it on now. So with more games, there's no more roster spots or they might add one, but not really enough. I think it, we're going to get to the point now with these these workhorse backs. I think you're going to see four, five, maybe six of the push, and everyone else is going to have to be it's a one A one B situation. And I think it's going to really push people to go back to wide receiver heavy, yeah, uh, builds. And I think people will load up with with RBBCs, but I think wide receivers will become king again within three years. That's my prediction. I could be totally wrong, but I, I'm with you on that. I think um, this might be one of the last years where you see eight, nine, ten guys go in the running back position. Going the in the first round. round, yeah. I think that will start to wane over the next. If it's not this year, if it's next year, if it's not next year, it will be really soon that I think that will drop to six, maybe five, and I think that will be it'll be like a, maybe a six-six split or um, yeah. And it's already. It's already been such a balancing act anyway, because you, you kind of want to get that star running back because he's he's the one who's gonna help you win. But at the same time, it's it's becoming so likely that he doesn't finish the season and then your first pick's gone. Uh, whereas if you get, you know, a star wide receiver that gives you really uh, consistent production every week, and there are there are only a few of those that you you know you're gonna get 15, 16 points minimum as a floor and uh, those guys are going to become, I think, more and more valuable. Um, yeah, I, I agree, and I think I think position scarcity creates this 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 period of fear, and now you've got this overreaction with zero RB stuff, where people are like, "Well, I'm going to go zero RB." First of all, if you're going to pre prescribe that to yourself before draft, you, you're going to get yourself into trouble. Um, you need to just follow the board. The board might dictate yeah. that, that zero RB is a viable strategy. Fine. Fair enough. I understand it. If the board is giving you the value to go and do, to go that route, I a hundred percent back it, but you, you can't go in and build that from the, no, no, you, you can't do it because you're going to give yourself too much work to do. And you're going to, you're going to let value step. I'm just not a believer of letting the guy behind you scoop up 
the value. And I said to, do you know what's funny? I said to Brian Drake over the weekend, I was on the way up to my in-laws. And I said to Brian Drake over Twitter, we were just DMing. And I said, I would love, would love to do a study of the percentage odds of, because you know they work out the percentage odds of people in best ball and they work out, you know, what percentage of people win leagues based on this roster construction. I would love to see the percentage odds of the people who draft either side of someone who dedicates a zero RB build. Mm. Because I yeah, because they can get some pretty good players right. that the, the other one is committed to letting go. I reckon they, they will probably have a significant increase over people who do a zero RB build. I'm just, that's yeah. a guess. And it's a hypothesis. And one day maybe I'll, I'll prove it, but um, let's talk about your roster construction. We talked about this. You've kind of mentioned, you know, running backs and, you know, you, you, do, you want to avoid injured guys. Let's just take it for the for the sake of the discussion, right? We're, let's go with a, a PPR 16-round format, right? I'm not bothered about the later rounds. They are what they are. Yeah. Shoot for upside, right? I know a lot of this is going to depend on where you would pick in the draft, but ideally, in those first three or four rounds, what are you trying to achieve? What are you trying to build uh, in that roster um, that you would – you kind of, when you look at it four rounds in, you feel I'm I, that's ideally what I would like. So uh, in an ideal world, I try in the first few rounds to get um, a fairly, if I can, a fairly balanced roster. But as you, as you said, I'll, I'll always privilege the value that I see. And I've gone into drafts trying to build a, build a balanced roster, maybe for first four rounds with, you know, depending if it's super flex or not, but it, it, let's assume it's one QB, um, you know, a couple, couple good running backs that you can trust, like maybe one star and one guy uh, in the second round that, or third round, you know, uh, that has the potential to, to do something big to, to get, make a step forward or something and still young. And then a couple wide receivers, like maybe one who uh, gets a lot of uh, receptions and is involved and has a pretty high floor. And then another guy who might, um, who might have a bigger ceiling on some big plays and be a bit more uh, uh, up and down over the weeks, but have maybe, you know, that base where I think, okay, uh, those are probably going to be my starters most weeks. And then I can start playing around with that in the later rounds. Um, but I do, uh, you know, if, if there's, if the, if the board is going running back, running back, running back, running, everybody's good. I'm happy to, you know, get three wide receivers to start with and equally, if, uh, you know, one year, um, a couple of years ago, I did a super flex leagues with uh, some, some people in France and we, you know, I, I think some of them underestimated the power of a quarterback in that format. Um, and I had like four quarterbacks by round six and everyone was laughing at me and two weeks in, like half of their guys had got injured, Cam Newton and, you know, and they were all coming and Hey, Hey, what are you going to give me for your QB three? You know, I was like, well, you gotta, you better pay up cause I'm going to keep these guys. <laughs> um, so. Uh, yeah, I'm not too afraid in the draft, especially because I think people might sometimes put a bit too much emphasis in the draft thinking, you know, this is the most important night of my fantasy football season. It's probably the most fun night, but it's not, I don't think it's, it's the day where you might lose a league, but it's definitely not the day you win it. And hundred percent get, you know, get as much value as you can, especially in a league where people are open to trading later on in the season, maybe slightly differently. If I play on, you know, uh, one of those NFL.com public leagues, I might go differently and build a proper roster because I know nobody's going to trade. But yeah, that's that's 
I completely agree with you, right? So I've written this in the, in the fantasy football playbook the last couple of years that you cannot win your league at the draft, right? You can lose it, but you can't win it. Right? My, I'm going to tweet out after the show. I'm going to tweet out my Warrior Bowl draft. My Warrior Bowl draft last year, and you think I came second in a 240-person tournament. My draft was terrible. I mean, I'm, I'm not, I'm not like saying, oh yeah, do you know what? It, I'm just saying that, and I'm being modest. No, no, no. It was one of the worst drafts I had all year. And the only reason I got to where I did was, one, I drafted Josh Allen, and that paid mm-hmm. big time. Um, but actually, it was more the fact that uh, who I picked up off waivers. So, you know, I started Alvin Kamara. That was a big part of it, right? Alvin Kamara, dog. George Kittle, nothing. Kenyon Drake, next to nothing. Josh Allen, Robert Woods, Raheem, Raheem Mostert, meh. June Edelman, nothing. Brandon Cooks, that was a good pick in the eighth round. Hunter Henry, meh. And then, you know, Brian Tannehill, that worked out really well. Teddy Bridgewater, meh. I mean, he did he did a job. Tyrod Taylor didn't do anything. Um, Madison didn't do anything. Miller, meh, not really anything. Smith, not really anything. Rashad Perriman, meh, not really anything. Carlos Hyde, nothing. And then 18th round, Russell Gage, who actually one of my better picks yeah yeah but that team was terrible but what happened on it running backs got injured i spent most of my fab on james robinson and i spent most of my fab on mike davis yeah exactly and those two hit and they hit massive and that that's it like doesn't matter how your draft goes you it's how you react in the opening weeks of the season if you can get guys and you can get them in quick, I don't even think I paid that much for James Robinson, actually, come to think of it. I think I got on that train early. I bought him quick, didn't spend a lot. Mike Davis, I everyone thought I overpaid Mike Davis. That turned out to be a steal. Like, I don't care. It worked out. I think that's the thing. It's it's about how you react to what's going on. You can You can recover from a terrible draft, but you cannot win the draft. You cannot win the draft and think that your job's done because – you can always every year there's always someone on the waiver wire early Darren Waller George Kittle a few years ago Patrick Mahomes a few years ago, Lamar Jackson a couple of years ago there's always someone who comes along who you can pick up who's going to make a difference and it's just about getting that person and following podcasts like yourself um, to get there what about your I would say rankings, projections, whatever you kind of do. The big debate at the moment is, I think the wide the the six wide receivers at the top of the board, I think, are pretty chalky. You can change the order depending. I've seen Devontae Adams fall to the sort of bottom end of that because of the the Rogers situation. So, two part question: first of all, what are you doing with Adams? But second of all, what are you doing with your running backs? Who are your top six, seven running backs, and how are you? How are you? going after those guys in drafts? Uh, so uh, first question with Adams. Um, I, for the moment, uh, I tend to fade him slightly. I still think he's going to be, uh, even if uh, Jordan Love is the quarterback, I think he's going to be, he's going to be fine. Um, but I'd prefer probably Tyreek Hill or Stefan Diggs um, and probably have Adams third at this point. Um, if, if, if Diggs or Hill are available, I'd probably go with them first. Uh, just because of the uncertainty again, I, I, you know, you never really know that the relationship between a quarterback and his receiver is so important. Um, sometimes it works out. Sometimes it's just 
week and uh, <laughs> we know Allen and Diggs and Mahomes and Hill work out well. So uh, just go with the security with your first picks. Um, and, uh, and then for running backs, um, it's a bit difficult because this year there's a couple, there's a few guys coming back from injury who could be, you know, could be big, like uh, McCaffrey and Barkley are probably uh, two of my favorites, but um, they're both coming back from injury and Barkley, especially in redraft. We're not even sure that he's going to play the first, first couple of weeks of the season. Um, so that's a bit of a risk, but at the same time, it could pay off big time if, if they do play. And uh, especially in Barkley's case, if, if the Giants offense is a bit stronger. Um, then I've got uh, Kamara. Oh, hang on. Uh, then I've got Kamara, um, who obviously finished, uh, finished the season amazingly strong. Yeah, look here. Let me, let me talk. Uh, <laughs> uh, finished the season amazing and, and won a lot of leagues for people last year with a six touchdown uh, performance. Uh, I think Aaron Jones is going to be pretty good still. Uh, Jamal Williams is gone. And yeah, of course, there's AJ Dillon and there's the question mark around Rodgers and the, the Packers offense in general. But I think Aaron Jones deserves to be in that top six. Uh, and obviously, uh, Derrick Henry is uh, in redraft format. It's going to be massive. So um, I think that's, uh, did I say five or six? Yeah, you got uh, six. I can't. I think I got six. So that, that's probably my top six off the top of my head. Um, and then uh, I, in the second, second kind of tier, um, I, like, uh, I like Joe Mixon this year. Uh, he completely burned me last year, as I told you earlier. But I think, uh, I think he has a good opportunity this year. I think part of the reason why he wasn't playing is that they obviously they wanted a good draft pick and they've added uh, Jamar Chase and um, Joe Burrow should be back. I think that offense could, you know, take a, take a, step in the right direction and Mixon last year was being fed so much um he was being pretty ineffective with those uh, touches but you know hopefully this year there's less there's more uh, offense being generated in general and I think Mixon especially after having burned so many uh owners last year managers last year uh he's gonna fall in drafts uh not not very far but you know like late second late second round maybe in the third and you can grab him at that point and have a really high upside running back that could could finish in the top three easily could also you know be far but i think that's great value 100 um, i mean joe, joe mixon in weeks three through six was the running back three or running back four depending on the scoring format you know yeah. really put it to get right before he went down all right one of those was a big game against the cowboys and that kind sure. of everyone was putting up points on that historically bad uh, Cowboys D, like fair enough, but actually, um, the rest of it was pretty, pretty strong. And you know, I, th- I think with Mixon, as you say, there's no competition for touches in that ba- in that backfield. He's gonna yeah. get the work. Um, it is just durability with him. But I think at the price you're getting at now, it's worth it. It's worth spinning it up and seeing seeing what you get. Um, so I, I'm with you. I. The Aaron Jones thing baffles me. I do not understand how Aaron Jones is going where he's going in drafts. Like for me, I'm with you. I, I'm quite comfortably bullish on him. Um, and I feel very comfortable taking him tail end of the first, second round. No problem. Yeah. I have no problem with that. And people thinking, well, it's the Jordan Love thing. Well, surely if it's a rookie quarterback, they'll run the ball more. He's exactly. Lost. And the He's rest lost. of the team. Yeah, exactly. And they don't have Jamal Williams there anymore. AJ Dillon's not going to get this huge increase of work. He'll get a bit more. Of course he will. But he's not going to give up. AJ Dillon is not getting 50% of the job. He's just not going to happen. So 
you know, Jones has done it time and time again. He's a stud. He's the goal line back. He's going to get more work because he's got less competition. And he might have a rookie quarterback who's going to rely on him heavily. Yeah. How, how is he being... I don't understand his... AD, I still don't get his ADP. Like for me, no, I, you, I, I took him in the Scott Fish Bowl. I got him in the third round. Thanks very much. That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. But I don't even know why he's been falling because he hasn't, he hasn't really had an injury. He's had you know a couple, two or three awesome seasons. Uh, it's if it's only the Rogers thing, you know Rogers might even be there in Green Bay. I think he and, is. I'm, I'm yeah. bullish that that he will be there. I've got no doubt that that he will be there, and that's and that's fine. Um, but I don't know. It's it's a strange one for me. I. I, for me, I would comfortably take, although I didn't do this in the Scott Fishbowl, I did take Taylor over uh, over Aaron Jones. But that's only because I know the price. I know where people are going. Yeah, I didn't think Taylor would get back so to both. me. So I got both because mm. I was pretty confident I was going to get Aaron Jones. Like I was like, yeah, Aaron Jones is going to fall to me in the third round. Unless someone does something I'm not expecting, I'm pretty confident I'm going to get Aaron Jones. Whether it's, I know if I let uh, Taylor slip, I wasn't going to get Taylor. Yeah, yeah. So I, I I got both in the second and third round after I got back, and like that's the I'm more than okay with that. I actually think Aaron Jones will outperform Jonathan Taylor, but I played the ADP game a little bit, thinking I was quite confident because I just yeah. I read the room. Exactly, uh, it's crazy. I just I, I don't get it. About there's this interesting group, right? Of Jonathan Taylor, he's going ahead of these guys, but you got Eckler, you got Gibson. Uh, you got Cam Akers. What are you doing with those four? Because I that for me that that foursome, that that for me could be where leagues are won and lost this year. I think yeah. if you get that decision making process wrong, and you either reach for the guy or you fade him and you miss him, you could really be in trouble. So what what are you doing with those four guys? Well, um, Taylor, as you said, I think uh, costs you uh, first round these days, right? Um, yeah. I think. Uh, He's going, uh, he's going so, off the board in most leagues are like 106, 107, which yeah. I can't do. I get why people are doing it, but I, I can't do it. Yeah, I think there, there's a lot of risk around Taylor. I mean, obviously, there's a, there, there's a couple other running backs in that team. Marlon Mack coming back from injury. That's probably not going to play as much as he used to. But, you know, you never know, even maybe on the goal line or just to give him a breather. There's Naheem Hines in the passing game. Uh, Carson Wentz is there. He, he, he used to run quite a bit as well uh, back in the day. So. Uh, we don't really know how that offense is going to work. And also Taylor broke out really well in the second half of the year, but against a, a fairly soft uh, schedule of defenses. So that doesn't mean that he can't do it against some better defenses, but that also doesn't prove to me that he's a sure thing in the middle of the first round. Um, so that might be, you know, one of those picks where depending on the scoring format, I might go wide receiver at that point. If, you know, some of the running backs that I prefer have gone and I've, I'm left at the tail end of the first round with, with Taylor. Maybe I go wide receiver and get one of those other guys that you mentioned, Cam Akers, who you know could be could be huge in in the LA this year. Uh, also has a few question marks because LA in the last couple of years uh, they you know they haven't been playing a workhorse back that much. There's been, it's been quite frustrating with Malcolm Brown and Daryl Henderson. I feel like Daryl Henderson last year was was kind of the guy to own. And uh, <clears throat> people were saying, yeah, you, you, you know, you can't let him slip. And then in the end, he probably had a couple couple good games, but, um, you know, disappointed overall. And came Cam Akers this year could be could be big uh, in, a, in an improved L.A. offense. But um, 
you know, has the upside, but could, could also disappoint quite a bit. I think, uh, who else did you ask? Um, uh, Antonio Do- Gibson. Antonio and, Gibson, and, I really like. Eckler. So Eckler, I think out of all those guys, is the one where we know what we're going to get the most, I feel, especially in uh, PPR formats. Um, he's so involved. He, he can do so many things. Uh, he's probably one of those with the, maybe the, the highest floor of all those over the season. But I don't know if I wouldn't prefer to have Akers or Gibson over him um, just because of the upside. Um, they, they, can do, they can do more things. I think uh, Gibson in particular last year was, was really starting to play well. He was barely involved in the passing game, and I don't think that's going to be an issue this year. Um, and if he gets, you know, even half of those running back targets thrown his way, uh, he could, he could be in for a monster season as well. I really like Gibson in the second round. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm with you. I'm laughing because Lewis has just posted in our chat. He took Robert Tonyan in our dynasty league and he's like, apparently drunk Lewis pre-drafted Tonyan last night. <laughs> so, so I was laughing. I just saw that pop up on my, on my phone. So I'm with you. I, I, I think it's, as you say, I think we know what we're getting with Eckler. It got injured last year. It'd be interesting to see if his workload decreases. I don't think it will. I'm quite bullish on Eckler. I like him on the turn there. Uh, top. Yeah. I, Gibson's the one I'm really bought in on. I think of those guys, I think Gibson is the one that is just going to have so much volume locked in. But the way that Ron Rivera, I look at coaching a lot. I look at how coaches... Mm-hmm set up and how coaches coach and how they set the formations and how they use their backs. We've seen what Ron Rivera will do with a weapon. We did this with CMC. I feel pretty confident. I'm not saying Antonio Gibson's going to be CMC, but I think he's going to have uh, a heck of a year. I feel confident about him being an RB1. I'd have Eckler over those guys, but um, yeah, I think uh, I think we're getting there with, with Gibson. I think you're right about Akers. Could go either way, but I think he'll be We'll see what happens with Acres. Uh, I'm I'm more confident on Acres. I just my only thing is again going back to coaching is what will McVeigh do? Will McVeigh just get a little bit too clever, or will he go from there? Uh, and and will he just give him the job? Um, two more questions for me, and we'll wrap this up um, because you've got your family outside. And I want to make sure you get back. To <laughs> my battery's running out, <laughs> and you're on vacation, and your battery's running out. So I made them quick. So the first one is just just for listeners. You know, you've been doing this a while. What are some of the, the, the resources and the research that you do to get ready for the season to give you that, that edge? I'm always fascinated when I speak to people who are in, in other countries because, you know, all right, the internet's available to everyone, right? But how you want to read and digest that information is different based on cultural experiences. Yeah. How, what's your method and, and favorite resources, tools that you use to get ready for the season that, that our listeners might benefit from? So um, I'll, I'll tell you what we do as a team because we, we all have kind of different ways to do it. But um, I, like, I like the numbers quite a lot. Um, and I use them not as gospel, but as, as a guide. Um, and I like to see, you know, websites like uh, uh, Number Fire, what uh, JJ Zacharyson does, thinking of, you know, really looking at football from an analytic way. And then combining that with, um, with just uh, news and, uh, hype and trying to read through the lines, what's going on there, you know, uh, like you said, looking at coaching, looking at what, what they've done in the past, uh, you know, have, have they 
said something in the past that they then didn't follow up on at all? Or are they usually quite trustworthy if somebody says, yeah, this guy's going to be my, my number one running back. I'm going to, or, or is it just a, you know, one of those coaches who, who says, Oh yeah, I don't know. Maybe he'll play. Maybe he won't. And you, you don't know all season. Um, and I try, I just try to read a lot and, um, we don't have much resource for um, American football in, in France. Uh, there's a couple really good websites that follow the league, but they don't, they don't do much around fantasy. So we just try to read a lot um, of uh, uh, mostly American uh, analysts and, and websites. We, we each have our favorite. Um, uh, I, I do. I try to, I probably read the most out of, out of all the guys. Uh, it's just, uh, uh, you know, I look at football guys. I look at fantasy pros. I look at um, some rankings and uh, try to, try to really just be ready, know all the players and, and try to try to know their roles and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I then I think my, my, the, the difference is really um, if I want to play fantasy football properly, I, I then look at the numbers. I can't get too emotional about it. I try to approach it more a bit like blackjack, you know, like it's, it's a fun game. It's awesome. But if you want to win, you have to follow a method and try to follow through with it, even if it's not working out. So um if there's yeah if if, if there's a kind of a, a a method analytically that i follow you know i do a bit of uh i i i try to look at value for for the, each position i try to for example uh, defenses i tend to stream them quite a lot because i feel like that's what what moves around up and down uh, a lot more than the rest so i would never use a draft pick for a defense um and i like to i like to do that i like to in my head to head um matches i look at what the opponent is doing um if i'm a favorite or not if i'm a favorite i might go for a bit more uh, a bit more safety a bit more floor uh if i'm not and I'll, I'll just you know stack players up if i can if i have two players from the same team and just try to try to create as much uh movement as i can as much variation as i can in my scoring i don't care if i lose by 50 points but at least i give myself a chance of uh, <laughs> winning that matchup um and in general, I would say, like, I think, I mean, I've played a few leagues in, 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 in the last uh, five, six years. I've been in the finals quite a lot. I haven't won as many as I would have liked to. And my finals record is abysmal. And I think in general, it's because I have rosters. I, I've, I've almost never missed the playoffs. I think last year I missed the playoffs for the first time. And uh, my rosters in general are, are fairly safe. And I need to force myself to make them a little bit more, uh, you know, less like basketball. Basketball, again, was my first fantasy sport. You can play it safe. You can play it by the numbers. There's going to be 82 games. It's going to even out over the course of a season. In football, it's a bit more, there's way more volatility involved. And you got to be able to take a few risks if you want to win it. And uh, uh, that, that's my takeaway for this season. If I'm going to change something, it's take a few more risks. Calculated, yes, but maybe a few more just to try to, swing things my way <laughs> absolutely i i think sometimes you you do you know i i'm i'm i've always said on here i'm quite a cautious player early part in the draft first three four rounds i'm looking to not whiff as opposed to swing for the fences and go big and go home but as i think for me where drafts are won and lost you know i've done this positional value piece every year in the playbook over the last two years for me where the drafts uh, I, as it kind of contradicting myself because you can't win or lose a draft. But if I look at where people's drafts go wrong, it's not the opening three rounds. It's not the last five rounds. It's actually those rounds four, four through six, four through seven. Quickest way that you can really hurt yourself 
one, take a tight end in that range. Doesn't work. Hasn't worked for years. No one's ever returned ADP. Uh, Darren Waller, I think, might be the only one last season would have returned value. Yeah, there's some exceptions, but it's it's not usually. But it's very rare. You know, I think you've got to look at that range and you've got to think about, you know, any, I think, you know, taking a top 36 guy, anyone can pick a top 36 guy. You might reach a couple of spots. You might fall a couple of spots. Ultimately, it's down to whether or not they get injured or don't get injured. If you don't yeah. reach too far and you don't fall too far, chances are your league isn't going to be won and lost in the first 36 picks. The same way in the last few rounds, you might get some bargains and that might give you some some value. But ultimately, if you pick if you pick poorly in the final four rounds, it doesn't really matter because you're going to dump those players for a waiver wire anyway. Exactly. So it is about that that four to six, four to seven range. I think that's where the players that play more cautiously in that range, I feel the ones that kind of strangle themselves to take the tight end thinking, I don't want to get, I don't want to get in the tight end lottery at the end. Whereas actually the tight yeah. end lottery is the perfect place to be. Um, the people who think uh, quarterback, although quarterback this year is a very viable strategy, but in the past, I want to get one of those guys that doesn't return. Um you know, they, they'll pass on players like David Montgomery and will go over except for uh, a wide receiver there who might not, like a, trying to be a great example, someone like a DJ Moore, who will do great. Like, he'll do fine. It's not a bad player to have. But, you know, if you look at, if you if the decision last year was David Montgomery because people didn't like him versus DJ Moore, you pick Montgomery, you're in the playoffs more often than not. With DJ Moore, it was a, you didn't do badly, but you didn't you didn't swing the fences. I think that's yeah. that's the range. If you can free yourself up in that range and just take one or two calculated risks, as you say, I think that's where I think you can turn uh, six wins into eight wins to get into the yeah. playoffs. And I think that's where you turn semifinals and finals into championships because you get a guy in that range, you can make all the difference. Last question from me. Um, what is your one spicy hot take for 2021 fantasy football could be anything could be this player is going to be a positional top 12 or uh it could be this player is going to be an absolute bust or someone's not going to play it could be anything you like <laughs> uh I don't, I don't know if it qualifies but i i do feel strongly about joe mixon finishing uh let's say top three top two maybe if I, I would never dare pick him before any of the other guys, but um, yeah, I think he definitely has the potential to finish in the top two or three running backs if he plays the whole season. Um, and uh, maybe another one the other way. Um, I don't think I don't think uh, AJ Brown is going to return um, the ADP that people are drafting him at. Um, I know that he can. He can play. He can be really effective on a, on a few, you know, low volume. And we've seen Corey Davis last, last year. He had quite a bit of a lot of volume as well. I just think uh, there's a new, uh, uh, you know, Julio Jones being in there. Um, it's gonna it's gonna re uh, it's gonna change a bit the the outcomes. And uh, people are still drafting AJ Brown in the top five or six wide receivers. I think I I, w- I don't I don't think I would have him in there. Uh, I don't think he's gonna drop that far down. But I, I would be wary of uh, AJ Brown. I think solid. I like that. Especially Jay, Jay Mixon's spicy. I don't care. You're saying he's going to be top three. That is, that is Mixon bold. top three. 
Um, uh, that, that's bold. <laughs> I'm giving you that. My friend, this has been this has been incredible. I'm so glad you came on. Um, really pleased. We'll get you on again when you're back to London. We'll we'll try and do lunch. We'll do something. Um, Absolutely. Why don't you tell everybody uh, who's listening? Uh, where they can find the podcast, uh, where they can interact with you. Uh, maybe you've got people who perhaps might not listen to the podcast because it's in French, but uh, can at least interact with you in, in English. Uh, yeah, definitely. Pick your brain. So the um, the podcast uh, Twitter handle is at uh, Fantasy Ballers F. Uh, that's where we put out uh, you know news reports, uh, injury reports during the season, and uh, all the news around the podcast and uh, around the leagues that we organize. Um, with the podcast is available uh, on every major platform, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts. We're uh, this year doing uh, YouTube Live, uh, Twitter Live probably, and Facebook Live. Possibly Twitch, but I think Twitch is quite difficult to get into. Um, <laughs> so uh, we'll see. Um, and uh, it's called Fantasy Ballers. Um, you'll see all the links. Uh, Twitter is the place to be for us. It's kind of our base. Um, we're also on Facebook and Instagram, but really... I recommend uh, if you're interested, uh, go to Twitter at Fantasy Ballers F and you'll see all the all the relevant links to find the podcast and all the information. And uh, then for me personally, uh, at Major Milu uh, FB. <laughs> uh, and uh, I, I, I interact a bit more in English. <laughs> you do. Absolutely. And your English is, is fantastic. It's a lot better than my French. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> you know, unfortunately, if you ever had me on, I don't know two words of French. So uh, I'd be like Joey from Friends. That would kind of be, uh, that'd be kind of, my wife did French in school and she's, she's got some of it. And I joke that I really would be uh, Joey from Friends. And uh... <laughs> <laughs> Well, we'll have you on. We'll have you on to try it out, try it out for a couple, <laughs> couple sentences. <laughs> oh my God. Google Translate is going to absolutely let me down for that one. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, that that's spot on, Lee. That's exactly where I'm at. But it's been an absolute um, pleasure. Definitely get you on again. Um, I think people are going to love this. I think you've given some really great advice. And, you know, we've been doing this strategy season now for a few weeks now. We've had some great people on. I think some of the, the tips you've given there, uh, I think are just going to be really valuable. People will already value that. So uh, massive appreciation to you for coming on, my friend. And we'll do this again soon. Rush Nation, Thank don't you. forget what I said at the start of the podcast. Uh, FFCC spot is giving, we're giving it away one week today. Donate five pounds to the Just Giving link at the top of our Twitter feed, and I'll post a, a tweet out tomorrow. Um, five pounds to put you in the draw, um, and you'll get on the exclusive waiting list if you do not win it. Don't forget the consistency, draw, uh, consistency guide by Bob Lung. That draw will be ending tomorrow well, the draw will be tomorrow but you've got till midday tomorrow to enter that uh warrior bowl spots you've got till thursday uh we're going to drop a couple of pods this week i think the idp pod is going to drop this week rich and i are going to do an sfb special pod this week and then next week episode 400 with a very special guest i promise you it's going to be dynamite so make sure you tune in for the celebrations for that one however until next week rush nation don't forget, keep rushing. live a long, healthy life 
if you're HIV positive. With the current treatments, we can get patients down to being undetectable. The array of options is so much greater today. U equals U. Undetectable equals untransmittable. If someone who's HIV positive, they're taking their medication, they're undetectable, they're not able to pass HIV to their partners. Do it for you, Montgomery County. Your HIV treatment is their prevention. Get more information at doitforyoumc.org. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.